Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey, Giant fans. Welcome to the Giant Insider podcast. My name is Jerry Foley. I'm the senior editor of the Giant Insider newspaper. And with me, as always, is the beat writer, the heart of Giants Nation. Nobody beats the biz, Chris Bizignano. And today, guys, we have a very special guest, someone who has contributed to the Giant Insider for a few years now. If you've read his work, you know he knows what the hell he is talking about. Dave Syvertson from Arrow Lads. If you're on Big Blue Interactive, you know him as Cy56. Dave, welcome to the Giant Insider Podcast, bud. Fellas, what's up? Thanks for having me. Dave, uh, much appreciate your work, bro. And, and, and I love the scouting report you put out. I follow you uh, because I respect the, you know, the crap you put out there, man. You, it's really good stuff. Um, uh, you're actually, before the pandemic, you were actually on the sidelines during training camp, watching Giant practices. You... You give your, you know, you give your opinion what the hell's going on, which to me I respect, Dave, because you're actually there watching live, unlike you know some other people who are never around the team but act like they are, you know. So it's yeah. pretty comical. So, Dave, you know what? Let's get into it, bud. Um, obviously, offensive tackle, um, the Giants in a dying need. So you hear you know, Neil, the icky kid. I happen to love the icky kid just as much as Neil. But the big name that's popping up, just in case those two kids are off the board, Dave, is Charles Cross from Mississippi State. So, Dave, is he a – you know what? Is he a fifth overall or is he a seventh overall? Is he that talented, Dave? What's your opinion on him? So, the answer is yes, and I'll, and I'll definitely kind of build off that a little bit rather than just keep it simple. But the, the thing that you like about Charles Cross the most is that he feels like he's the safest pass protector in the group. Um, I have Neil and Icky both above him grade wise, but the one thing about this draft class overall, there really are not many, if any, what you would project to be the all pro level on my grading scale. If you're a 90 plus, I'm projecting you to be an all pro. For example, last year, Jamar Chase was a 90, right? And he comes out, he blows it up. Okay. I don't have one guy in this entire class that's in that tier. Now, does that mean it's a weak draft class? Absolutely not. If anything, I think the draft class overall is deeper because of so many guys that opted to go back to school. A lot of these kids in this class would have been in last year's draft in a normal world, but because the the, the world kind of just turned upside down, you're going to have a lot of extra fourth, fifth, sixth round grades, and that's exactly what I have. But with that said, the actual top of the class. I don't have any of that elite level player. So the reason I bring that up is because Charles Cross in a normal draft might not be a top five guy because usually you have two or three Chase Young's type, Chase Young types where you know they're in any draft a top five player. I don't see that in this class. And I just see a bunch of guys that you would grade in a typical draft class, top 15, top 10. And Charles Cross is in that tier. Um, when you want to compare him to Evan Neal and Icky, though other two, they have a higher upside. There's no question. I also think they bring more versatility to the table because if they really had to, you could put them inside. I don't feel that way about cross. Okay. But when you talk about body control, balance, 
the ability to recover and pass protection. Charles Cross right now is at a higher level than both those guys. When I, Jerry, one second, Jerry, I just want to follow up on something. When I, Dave, when I look across, I see, you know, a kid, like you said, he gets into that second level and all that. Only issue I have for him, and tell me if I'm wrong, he looks like he could maybe be a little stronger. Oh, yeah. He needs Do you to, see that, Dave? Absolutely. He needs meat on his bones. He's got, he's got every prototype number you want when it comes to length, height, speed, quickness, but he doesn't have the bulk yet. And it's also, it's, it's funny that you bring that up. And I think it was a smart thing that you brought that up because a lot of times we forget that these guys, these are kids mm-hmm. coming into the league right. playing against men. If you remember back in high school, you were probably a tough kid on the parking lot playing basketball. But if you showed up to a, a men's league basketball game, you'd be <laughs> tossed around, right? right. That's right. what these kids are coming into. And I think it, Charles Cross, his lack of stoutness, lack of ability to really get guys off the line as a run blocker, that didn't show up that much in, in the SEC. It will show up in the NFL, and I think that's going to be a learning curve issue for him in year one. See, when I hear that, what scares me is I think of Eric Flowers, right? I think of high upside. Yeah. Um, is, and you warned us two years ago when you were on. You said that about Andrew Thomas. You, I think you had him fourth of the tackles, right? Um, I believe I had him. Or third, maybe. I think I had him. No, I had worse than Thomas. Oh, okay, okay. But I did say Thomas had the lowest floor. Okay. He's the guy that's scary most. Got yeah. it. So, do you see any of like if if you're the Giants, say say Neil and and, and Icky go in the top four, um, and you're the Giants, is there is there any of that fear there with Cross? Uh, I, I have less fear because of the body control. When I compare him to an Eric Flowers or an Andrew Thomas, even who has panned out, you know, we have to look back at it and say that was a quality yeah. pick. So, you know, we don't want to give any positive PR to anything that Giants related in the draft the past few years. That was a quality pick, it looks like. Right. <laughs> um, but I, I think what Charles Cross needs, he just needs time in an NFL weight strength and conditioning program. By all accounts, he's a super kid, he works hard. But I'll tell you what, and I'm, I'm in this field as well outside of the draft. It's harder that for some kids than others to get and maintain muscle mass at yeah. that age. Yeah. And if this kid can, he has the frame for 10, 15 more pounds, no de- no question. Uh, and I just think the patience is going to be a little bit more, more with him. And I also think another concern with him, it's not a huge deal, but he's been a left tackle. You know, he hasn't played a lot on the right side. They, they're working him in drills. I know he's seen a few snaps there in college. But he's been majority left tackle at Mississippi yep. State. And, you know, you don't want to move a lot of pieces around this line. You, If Thomas, he looks pretty solid on the left side. Yeah. You don't want to move him to the right side and have that gamble right. in addition to another gamble of a rookie coming at the left side. Got it. So that that's another concern I would have with Cross. But I'm keeping my grade where he's at. He's going to be a top eight player on my board. And uh, he's definitely in the in the, in the – in the running for one of these first two picks. That's interesting. He's a top eight guy for you. Okay. Go ahead. Yep. Yep. Dave, Tom Pelissero just came out with a latest mock and he actually had Neil and Icky on the board um, for the giants at five. So I'm going to put you on the spot, my man, a little bit. If you're Joe Shane and the giants are up at five and those two are out there, who are you taking Dave? Man. So I'm looking at my grades right now and uh, I'm going (laughs) to answer the question. They have the same grade. And uh, I, I think, and it's funny, that's, a, that's been a thought that's crossed my head several times. And 
I wouldn't even put it past the Giants. I won't get a lot of agreement here. I wouldn't put it past them to use both these picks on the offensive line. It, um, I'm pretty sure if both are available at five, the, uh, the other one will be available at seven. However, if I, if I was on the hot seat there and I had to pick, I'm going to go with my gut and go with Evan Neal. Um, I just feel that his – I don't think people really understand how much of a freak athlete he is. Um, Bruce Feldman's freak list every year, he's at the top of it. And he, I mean, he's, and he is in, in the end, he knows everything about college football players. And he is the guy that who's the biggest freak. And if he says this guy's the biggest freak in college football, you have to put some merit into it. My issue with him on tape, there's so much poor tape when it comes to balance, sustaining blocks in space. It was almost like some guys are just too big for, for their own good. And I did like the fact that he showed up at the, at the combine in the three thirty range. If I have that right. I love the fact that he played guard. I love the fact that he played right tackle, left tackle. And that the more positions you played in college, the, the more I'm going to like you uh, because you just don't know what's going to happen at the next level, right. right? There's a lot of tackles that they just were not good in the NFL on the outside, but you put them inside, they, they, they've done a quality job. And obviously you're not going to dra- draft Evan Neal with that thought of, hey, hey, he's going to be bad at tackle. Maybe we'll move him to guard. But it's a nice backup option. It's a nice hedge. And I think that his issues that we see on tape, and there are plenty, they can be fixed. You know, there are some issues you see on tape where a guy doesn't bend, um, where that's that's hard to fix when you're in the NFL. The guy's not quick enough. He's not right. sudden enough. Neil has it all. He just kind of loses track of the width of his base, and his hands aren't always placed where they need to be. And with a quality offensive line coach, I mean, he has – he doesn't have – good potential he has the elite potential and to, to be a top five tackle in this league i don't say that about icky even though i know he's a freak athlete i mean did you guys know he he ran the anchor on a on his track high school relay team as a 280 280- i didn't know that okay i didn't know that he i mean he is a freak too i mean all these guys at the top of the draft like you're not going to be a top draft pick without being a freak right but you know, he, he is more – that doesn't show up all the time on tape where the, these traits that I see in Evan Neal, they show up. He just needs to – I also think part of his development has been impeded a little bit by the fact that he played three different positions. You know, um, these kids need to learn it. And learning that skill set, skills in any sport, it's just repetition, 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 repetition. Right. And if he's being moved left, right, inside, outside – it's hard to truly develop. So there's your answer. I'm going with Evan Neal in that situation. So you said if they're both there, then the other one's going to be there at seven. You don't see the Panthers taking one? Uh, I just have a gut feeling they're going to go quarterback or okay. someone's going to trade up. I think that's, I, okay. that's yeah. another thing we can probably talk about. Yeah, that's going to be my next question. So yeah. so the consensus is among you know a lot of people that there's no one worth taking early or that um, a team will panic. What do you see with this quarterback class? And then what scenarios could you see happening in the top 10, Dave, with, with quarterbacks? So I don't see Detroit going quarterback. I know that's like a popular talking point. Like Chris said before, a lot of these guys kind of just repeat each other and try to get clicks. Um, I think all the talk about a quarterback going at two is just for people to click on their stuff. Um, it's just in, in any other quarterback class, guys, last year in this class, all these quarterbacks were talking about day two. Yeah. You know, every single one of them. And, yeah. yep. you know, it is a quarterback league. And I think, all this mayhem we've seen with the trade, the trade market with quarterbacks this year, that's a true sign that the league agrees. The quarterbacks in the draft are not worth pursuing. Um, they're going to get picked. It's the most important position in sports. They're going to get overpicked. It's going to happen. I would even say you're probably going to see two or three first-round picks. 
Um, I do think one of them's going in the top 10. And I think Carolina is going to go quarterback at six. Who is it? It's, it's a hard sell on, on, on any of them, really. I feel like you right. feel safest with Kenny Pickett. But I think Malik Willis is the guy that has the superstar ceiling, superstar potential. And I'll tell you what, pro days don't need that, don't, do not mean that much. But I did watch. I got some tape on all of them. Matt Corral looked the best when it just came to the combination. And Matt Rule was right there staring him down like a yeah. hawk. And it seems like they have some late interest. They actually, it's funny, they tried to get out to dinner with him uh, the night before the pro day. Right. And he was booked. You know, he, he had meetings with three other guys. And my concern with him, I wouldn't want him, especially on the Giants, is it's the body type. You know, he loves contact, and he lo- he kind of has, like, that Marcus Mariota body type, even less, to be honest with you. He just looks way too thin. Um, he, to be that scares hits. me. And he's a, he's a, he's a runner. He's, a, he's an athlete, you know. But I loved his release. He's got the quickest release. I think he sees things quicker than other guys. So I just think that if I had to gamble right now, it's going to be Corral that goes at six. Um, but – if not one of these other teams trading up for a move right at that spot. Yeah, real quick, let me just follow up. If if that happens at six, do you see other teams maybe panicking and 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 going for quarterbacks? Maybe then all of a sudden it's like, all right, there's going to be a run on quarterbacks. Maybe like Seattle. You know what I mean? Yep, I do. Oh, okay. I, I, the team that's going to panic the most is Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, you know, okay. I've been trying to read through the leaves with a lot of what they say. They want a better athlete at quarterback. They don't want a running quarterback. They don't want Lamar Jackson. They want to pack a pocket passer, but they just had five, six years of, you know, a quarterback that had cinder blocks tied to his shoes. You know, like he, Roethlisberger could not move. There was, he limited that offense so much, I think. And Trubisky, I think that's a one-year rental and see if they catch lightning in a bottle with him. Um, Wait a minute. I thought he was the next Joe Montana Trubisky. What are we talking <laughs> about here? What, what, what do you mean? I never see, Dave, I never seen a guy who all of a sudden became an excellent quarterback in one offseason who played like two snaps last year. What, yeah, what I know. I- I was worried that the Giants were going to go for him. I was like, guys, that is not the answer. <laughs> um, well, Dave, guess what? I can tell you this. Coming out of the building, they had interest in him. They were trying to get him, but the price tag was just too much. They were, they were very interested in him. Yeah, I mean, sometimes the deals, the best deals you make are the ones you don't, right? right. And I, I think that's – it's funny, um, not to get too off track, but I, you know, I follow personnel moving around the league with new coaches and, and even positional coaches that change teams – so many of these guys that they sign at free agency, not the top guys, but these like middle tier, lower tier guys, it's th- these coaches love guys that they've worked with. You oh, know, that's absolutely. where the interest in Trubisky came from. It had nothing to do with his tape. His tape's terrible, you know, and, and <laughs> can't, it, I mean, he, he was drafted high because of a situation like that we're in right now. There was nobody else. That's why. And, um, you know, I hate saying that because it sounds like it's pretty condescending, but it's the truth. It's and the truth, so, Dave. Yeah. Dave, I, I got to be honest with you, Dave. This is where I would have a problem if I was a general manager in the NFL because as soon as a head coach comes to me and says, well, I'm familiar with Trubisky, uh, Chris, I'd be like, yeah, that's nice. I'm glad you're familiar with him. Go out to dinner one night because we're not yeah. signing this kid because look at his film. Yeah. That's what I would say. I don't give yeah. a crap what you're familiar with. Yeah, the owner right? hey, it's not my, it's not your money. It's my money. You know. Hey, Dave, hey, Dave when Tyrod uh, Taylor is signed with the Giants, one of the first tweets I put out there, guys, he's better quarterback than Trubisky, okay? Oh. Yeah, and a much more efficient uh, way to spend your money. Dude, I, I've um, way before he was with the Giants, back when he was with the Browns, I've always been drawn to Tyrod Taylor. I don't think he's a franchise guy, but if he's your second best guy, that means you have a really good quarterback in front of you. And I thought that was an excellent hedge. And he also, he worked with Dayball in Buffalo, so they do know him. There's some familiarity there. And uh, 
I think the Giants should feel good about the fact that they're not going to completely – if Jones is not the guy, you're going to know this year. And uh, Tyrod is going to be a lot more fun to watch than Mike Lennon, that's for sure. Yeah, you know what, Dave? I think some people forgetting that Tyrod was holding off Justin Herbert two years ago until yep. until that mishap happened, you know, with, with the freak. train is, you know, hit, hit him with the knee. But he was going to hold off Herbert. Now, of course, we know Herbert's a better quarterback. We understand. But the point I'm making is that he was talented enough to hold off Herbert, for, at least for the first half of the season until, you know, what happened with the needle and his lung and all that. So Absolutely. Yep. So the Gi- I, I believe the Giants are in pretty good hands, you know, yeah. with Tyrod behind. Now, here's Daniels. a question for you guys. You know, what yeah. do you think about the possibility that one of these quarterbacks that I do have legitimate second round grades on, if they're there round two, what do you think for the Giants? Let me go first, Chris. Good, good. Yeah. It really depends. Did you fill what, what needs did you fill in round one, right? Did you yeah. draft your right tackle and did you get your edge guy or did you get your right tackle and potentially you got both of those guys, you know, that right. then you're going to put a, a icky at guard maybe or, or vice versa. Um, it really depends there. If seven is a luxury pick, like say a Kyle Hamilton, and yep. then in the second round, the quarterback's there, I'd, I'd rather go for an edge rusher or, or a defensive tackle, to be honest with you. Good. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I, I'm on the same page as you. What do you think, Chris? Uh, Dave, no, I don't believe they will go the, the direction. Um, you know, I know a lot of people don't want to believe this, but I can tell you this for a fact. Dable likes Jones, thinks he could do a lot with him. Okay, he wants to change some stuff with him, but they yeah. like Jones. Now, Dave, and I just wrote this in the Giant Insider, and which will be out next week. Look, you have a great bridge quarterback with Tyrod if Jones doesn't work out. If he doesn't play well this year, you got Tyrod for 20, and then they go that direction of a quarterback. So I don't believe they will go quarterback early. I think they, I think they will go, you know, that second round, wherever it might be, uh, you know, linebacker, edge, whatever it might be, you know. Yeah. So I don't think they go that direction. No, but, Chris, real quick, would you? No. No. I, I'm on the same page with you guys. I just, I just think it's, um, you know, we call it a luxury pick or not. Like, what, why have three quarterbacks in the room when, when the rest of the roster just isn't there, you know? And by all accounts, the Giants are going to struggle again this year. They're going to have a high pick here the next time. I, I, this is how I think about this draft overall on a macro level. You want to start thinking about this roster this time next year. That's what this draft should be about. Right. So there are some situations where you say, like, hey, we don't need a receiver. We don't need a corner. We don't need a safety. We don't need a linebacker. You're going to next year. And if you can start getting some guys in the building this season, groom them for a year, get them to learn the system, I think at next year, then you could start saying, all right, let's try to go for that 500 record or be the team that sneaks in the playoffs, right? Absolutely. Um, so I, I think everything is on the table, and this is not every team can draft like this. And this is an advantage of being so bad for so long with a terrible <laughs> cap situation. Go into the draft, stack your board, take the best player. It, it's it's going to make it a lot less stressful instead of trying to pre- create this per this picture perfect, you know, situation which never ends up happening anyway where you got the player at this position and the player at this position that hole's filled just get good players in the building because you're not competing this year you know and i I think that if there's a d tackle on that board that you have graded highly you go for it because who knows where dexter lawrence is going to be you know yeah um dave let's move on to edge um yeah a little bit i'm gonna curious to get your take on this one kid that seems to be really climbing Climbing the board here. Um, that's Jermaine Johnson, the Florida State kid. Uh, well, actually, some people are actually putting him down for number seven now with the Giants. You know, as yeah. high as that, 
you know, this is a kid was like a mid round, maybe late, you know, twenties a couple of weeks ago. Now he's climbing up more and more. So I want to get your opinion. Obviously, how you do you have Hutchinson and Tebow? Obviously, one two, I would imagine. And where do you have this Jermaine Johnson kid? So I'll, I'll spill the beans here. I have a uh, Trevon Walker number one on the edge, and I have him two points ahead of Aiden Hutchinson. Thank you, Dave. Uh, people, people, people were ripping me apart on Twitter about Trevon Walker. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> we can get into that next, uh, but I want to. I'll, I'll definitely stick with Jermaine Johnson. Um, I have uh, Thibodeau at three, and then Johnson at four. All right. Um, these guys are all because of the value. This is like similar to quarterback because of the the value of the position, right? I don't really care if someone has them 17th overall on their board or 21st overall, like whatever. Some of that stuff is just not relevant, right? I think that's, again, like draft media kind of saying, oh, someone ranked 21 is that much higher than 13. Not really. You know, it's kind of the position that, that you, you – we, I grade about 850 players from dating back to last July. And then I have a lot of like undrafted grades where you don't get too, too in-depth with them. Someone that's 21 and someone that's ninth is incredibly close. Like that margin is so close when you really right. think about how many guys start the process off. So Jermaine Johnson, he's going to be around 15th overall on my board. He could definitely be the seventh pick in this draft, and it wouldn't even be considered a reach, right? Really? Um, just because of the value of the position, right? A pass rusher can wreck a game, right? It can, and this is a, and we know this, right? This is a passing league. And you have to protect the passer, you have to pass the ball, and you have to rush the passer. That That's how you win football games in today's NFL. And Jermaine Johnson, it's funny, I don't know how many people know this, he started off at Georgia. He had an entire career at Georgia. Yeah. You think about, like, how where would this guy even fit on that defense, right? Yeah. They're just jam-packed. I mean, some of their best talent on the team, they're not even draft eligible this year. Um, and <laughs> no, so I... he transfers to Florida State after a pretty quiet career over there, and he blows up. And I remember watching him early in the year against Notre Dame, and he was he was completely dominant, running past. Yeah, yeah I remember well, Dave. Thanks for reminding me. Are you? A Notre I Dame? He, I'm a big Notre Dame guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, that opening he, that opening game, he was all over the damn field. He was he was just so so good against the running pass, and it was all game too. And so I really. I started writing him down, like my notes. I, I keep notes from every week, every time I watch a guy, and then I create the reports off that and go back and look at um, the the all twenty two tapes. And J- Johnson, I just kept on writing. This guy is a pro. This dude's a pro. This dude's a pro. Like the heavy hands, the lockout game, the the ability to set the edge, different ways of getting to the passer. Um, I don't put him up in the the top tier with Aiden and and Travon, uh, but I think he's right there with uh, Thibodeau, who I ha- have. Two, uh, 13th overall on the board. Um, I'm not a huge Thibodeau guy, but again, great 800 guys. He finished 13th overall. I like him. I just don't think he's elite. But they both have one thing that concerns me with the, the pass rushers. There's a little bit of like ankle t- uh, ankle stiffness. Okay. They don't they don't bend the edge exceptionally well. They can play low. They have good pad level, and they're good at keeping their butt close to the ground with their hands high, a la Bill Purcells. They they really do control the engagement very well. But, like, that little quick twitch suddenness off the edge, I think pro tackles are going to look at these guys and say, like, hey, he can only do so much against me. You know, the best pass rushers in the game are the ones that can do everything, like where the the tackles have just no idea what the plan is going to be. And Jermaine Johnson, as I watched him more and more, my one concern was that he just got a little predictable. Um, But his basement is still high because he's going to be an elite edge run defender. And he's going to get you those eight to ten sacks a year. Um, 
just just based on grit, power, and the ability to just you know move in and out of traffic very well. He's relentless, physical, physical guy. Great size, great strength. He dominated the Senior Bowl when he was there for a couple of days. Um, I, I don't think he would be a bad pick if the Giants took him at seven. I just simply think there's going to be a, a player that's better than him available. That's all. What scares you about Thibodeau, Dave? <sighs> Effort, not always there. Um, it, it seems to me there's some personality stuff that, that bothers me. Um, and he compared himself I, to Clowney. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah right. No, that, maybe that's a perfect comparison. <laughs> Um, when you're talking about a draft highlight, that's a great thing, you know, to go that high in the draft. But the career itself, do I, he's going to be a good player. He's going to be in the league for a long time. But, you know, I get concerned about some of these guys that where I look at their tape. On a guy that's this high in the draft, I do, I'll do look at multiple years of tape. And his best tape was from his freshman year. Just his, his movement, his ability. His, he was bendy. He was kind of just – I feel like as he's bulked up, he lost some of that bendiness, and that happens. Like that's genetics, and I just don't see the same, the same bendiness and suddenness of left and right. He's a very good straight line mover, and he's powerful. Like he he really can push a pocket back, and he's got highlight. You can find it easily. He's got highlight reels. He's just putting tackles on their butt. Uh, but I don't see the same grit. Um, when I when I want when I grade an elite pass rusher, I want someone that plays relentless. That they uh, if they lose initially, they're still very much in the battle. When he loses initially, he kind of stands up, he softens his knees a little bit, and it's like he settles on, eh, this isn't my play. And I just saw that over and over, and I was hoping that mm. he did he did battle the ankle this year, so that could be part of it. Um, but it's it, I just don't see him on the same tier as Trevon Walker and Aiden Hutchinson. Interesting. Dave, do you see this? Do you see edge rusher as maybe the deepest position, at least in the first round? By far. Okay. I would say it's the deepest position in the draft. Okay. And I'll even go one further. This is the deepest edge position I've ever scouted. Really? So, so if you're the Giants, so if you're the Giants, you're picking five, seven. Are you passing? Unless, unless one of your top two guys falls to seven, say. Yeah. Are you passing at seven yeah. on a, a rusher? I'm passing. Yep. Okay. Um, I'm very confident someone will be there. I kind of want to see where wink wants to go with the defensive uh his, his pass rush it's changed a little bit in baltimore over the years and maybe that's partially why they they parted ways him and harbaugh mm-hmm. um maybe someone had a little bit more clout early on that didn't have it later on but they they generate he generates pass rush a lot of different ways and it's gonna be fun to watch as fans i think we're gonna be have a fun time but he does want that edge presence and does he view ojalari as that guy um, I wouldn't. I've always said about Ojolari, if he's your second best pass rusher, you're in a good spot. Yeah. If he's your best pass rusher, I think you're in trouble. Right. And I think that you can get a guy at the top of the second round that could probably bring the same level of play to Ojolari at least. Like a guy that I think could actually be better than him. Like like, like who, Dave? You have a couple of guys that you think will go to early in that second round? Yeah, I, I'm looking at uh, Boy Mafe. I, I, sometimes yes, but- I, I Names. That's why I just had him. That's why I just had my mock for the Giants in the second round. Right, Jerry? I have mock. Yes, you did. Round. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm laughing because I, I have to. I, just, I did my mock before listening to you, Dave. It's, uh, it's a joke now. So, anyway, go ahead, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so, I, I like him at the top of the second round. He's got some meat on his bones. Um, he, he's not one of these skinny. You know, the kid from Penn State, um, the. I, I like him. He just he needs more physical development, and some of these body types you can tell right away they're not going to be holding on to much more mass. Where Mafe is already two sixty plus, mm. has 
unreal juice off the outset. When he really puts his ears back and just tries to run up the edge, uh, there's not many tackles that can stick with him. He puts he puts tackles on their heels um, as good as anyone in this draft class. Um, I, I even think that the kid from Miami of Ohio, he might be more of a third-round guy. I actually think I'm a little high on him. Um, I see him as a third-rounder. The Dominique Robinson, a former wide receiver – that just started randomly paying pass rusher a couple years ago, tested off the charts, was really productive. He looks like a young Daniel Hunter to me from, from Minnesota. I don't know if he's ever going to get that big, but the aesthetics of his movement patterns in and out, the guy changes direction as well as anyone. He still just doesn't even know what he's doing with his hands. How good of an athlete must he be? Your wide receiver. Yeah, try DN. Oh, okay, he's good there. That's crazy. And, and he was like, he was a real receiver. He wasn't a back-end guy. He yeah. was like their big threat he was the guy that they sent downfield to catch the ball um another another thought well i can stick with the second round with you is this injury to a jabo um mm. I, I was i never saw a jabo as a as a high first round pick i always saw him as a kind of end of first round maybe early second there are not many teams that it would make sense to bring him in an early piece because he's not playing next year if he does it's going to be december yeah. right uh, that Cam Akers, him returning from a torn Achilles in, in six months, seven months, just blows my mind. I don't. Let's not expect that to be the norm. Right. But Ajabo, he he's almost a, a a perfect situation for the Giants because, again, two twenty twenty two is a wash, right? He, he they're they're not really going to compete this year, and he's the guy that I would say if you can get him in the second round, the upside he brings to the the to the table is higher than any Giants pass rusher they have right now. The question is, I didn't like him as a run defender. He just he seemed like a one-trick pony, just run up the field. But he, he was relentless. He played fast. He pursued hard. And, you know, if, if he, from all accounts, I know a few people from the Michigan program. It's one of the few programs I have some connections with. He is, by all accounts, kind of similar to Quiddy Pay last year, who I liked a lot. Mm-hmm great kid will work his butt off and he will get whatever his ceiling is. He's going to reach it. Right. And that would make me feel pretty good, even though he's not going to contribute much next year. I mean, look at what the giants have on the outside right now. Ojalari, you still have Ellerson, Ellerson Smith, who I loved last year. You have Roche, you have, they have a, a few pieces here that you might, I'm not saying they're the answer, but you might want to see them play next year. And it's okay. If they bring a kid in, and not let him see the field that much as rookie um, or at all um, with that in mind. Hang on one second, guys. We're going to take a break and be right back. Right back with Dave Cyrus from our lads, guys. Hang on one second. Awesome. And we're back. All right, Chris, go ahead, buddy. Dave, just to finish up with the edge, how about the kid from Purdue? You like him, George uh, Calafius there? Yeah, it's funny. We talked about Jermaine Johnson and Boy Mafe right – he, he's right in between those guys. You know, that's the name I kept on. I do like him. Uh, he concerns me a little bit because what the way he produced in college, I don't know if it's going to work in the NFL. Um, he's a pure hands fighter, yeah. former water polo player. I'm not sure how many guys that we've had that over the past <laughs> years. But he, his core strength, hand strength, he was just more powerful and stronger than everyone he was playing against. All these kids that he played against, he was stronger than. That's not going to be the case. But you could also say – He's going to progress just like every other one of these kids, and he maybe he can be like that that eight-sack-per-year guy that's also providing elite run defense. I mean, he had one of the best true freshman seasons we've ever seen in the Big Ten, and right. he's been a little nicked up here and there, 
Um, I love the, the grit that he plays with, but there is not a, nat- a a sense of bend to his lower body. That That's an issue. He has some length issues. And when you have that combination, that's one of the red flags I have um, for a guy that if they don't bend exceptionally well and they have a length issue – you know, that that's that could be a recipe for a disaster. And that, that would worry me a little bit in the first round. So I don't see him. I used to have him as, as a top 10 guy. Mm. He's more going to be an end of first, early second type. Um, and I just think there's certain schemes he just won't fit into. So you could see him drop even a little further. Dave, when I looked at him, I, I saw a kid that relied on his strength, his hand brawling. Uh, that's not going to fly in this level, bro. Yep. You know, um, he's going to get dominated when he, if he tries that repertoire at this level, it's not going to work. He'll, uh, he's going to realize real quick that he's going against guys every Sunday that are stronger than him. Yep. You know absolutely. what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I could see him struggling until he starts getting it when he starts realizing that I'm going to need this move. Like the one thing I do like about the Tibetan kid, he's got like, he's got some different things in his arsenal. I, he loves that dip and rip. Yep. He loves, he, he even has that Dwight Freeney half spin. Yep. Right. Uh, he, he could put him on a three technique and he could do some things from the three tech. You know, um, um, that's something you look at the kid from Badu and I say, well, I don't see that at all. I see, I see a kid that just strictly relied on, well, I'm going to brawl this kid I'm going against on this snap and use my hands and try to overpower him and all that. So I think, like you said, Dave, um, I have him 20 plus. Yep. Um, at, you know, not, not a knock on a kid. No, not at all. I just think he's going to have to really develop when he gets to this level next year. Yeah, I think you have him pegged correctly. And, and who knows where the Giants end up selecting right i mean if they trade down if they trade up i mean if if he's being picked in the 20s it's going to be a valuable pick i just uh, i definitely don't see him being a top 10 i don't think anyone's really going to be looking at him uh in that tier i think it's a mistake i'm sorry no sorry man it's interesting because of the 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 run on these positions too right there might be a a panic pick uh like like a team like the jets at 10 may say you know what we we got our corner or or whoever we got it at, at four overall. They may grab him at ten. That's that's where I had him just because of just because of the the run on edge rushers, right? So yep. there's always that component as well. But speaking of corners, Dave, you know yeah. it seemed like for a long time Stingley was the one, and then you know everybody's talking about Gardner. Where, where do you see these corners, and 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 how do you rank them? So I have Stingley ahead of Gardner still. Um, I did early in the year. Um, we got asked uh, last August before the injury who's the top college football player in this class and the upcoming class. And Stingley was my number one guy. He, wow. he was the guy. And just again, his, his 2019, I, I mean this when I say it, oh, if, I agree. If he was allowed to come out after his two, not true freshman season. He would have been a top five pick. No question. hundred um, percent. Yeah. And so that, that means something. Like I said, with Thibodeau, his best tape is from 2019 and you know, his tape was never looked bad. Uh, but, Another thing that I think a lot of guys, they don't have – I had an opportunity to get some practice tape when he was up against Jamar Chase. And I'll tell you what, I think Stingley was a better player out of those two. And wow. now, does that is that going to translate to the NFL? No. I'm not going to – like I said, I'm not going to be grading anybody in that 90-plus tier, which is reserved for a future All-Pro. That's where I did put Chase. I'm not going to leave Stingley there, but I think he's close. And the, the concern I have with him is the foot. It, it has nothing to do with with his play. It has not. He is a poor tackler. I mean, you pay the other ten guys to tackle. You know, if a corner can cover, let him cover. Okay, but singly, it, it's the foot, and that's where I don't have the access to the information on the on the medicals, and that's one of the biggest things the combine provides. 
um, the unbiased medical reports, the physicals. Um. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Um, that stuff rarely gets made public and you got to be careful if you do get your hands on it. You got to be careful to not put that out there. Right. Uh, I have nothing on him in, the, in that regard, but that's not a, that's not an easy injury to come back and come back from. And if, if there's one thing I, I value the most when it comes to times with like 40s, three cone shuttle, if there's one position I look at the most, it's corner because their margin for error is so small. So even if Stingley is still mentally in it, he's focused, he's working hard. If he's lost a step, that's enough for me to, to bump him down even out of the first round, to be honest with you. So <laughs> I'm going to leave him at the top of my stacks. He's a, he's a top five player on my board. Okay. Um, and in my opinion, he should be in the picture at five and seven, but it sounds like there's a lot of momentum behind Gardner. And what that tells me is a Gardner's a stud too, but it probably tells me that there's some information on the foot yeah. that is going to prevent teams from taking them really high. Dave, I, I think that's fair to say because all you hear about is Gardner really seriously, yeah. right? The last yep. few weeks, all you're hearing about is sauce Gardner, sauce Gardner. You're not really hearing much about Stingley. He does have his own pro day coming up. Is he I, is he participating in it, Dave? I think he's going to have his own. You know, one of those guys, that, and it right. might be close. Right. Okay. Um, so it's not really going to impact what we talk about here. Uh, but I do think Stingley does plan on working out in front of teams. I don't think it's going to be at the LSU pro day. I think he's going to have his own in uh, early to mid April. Okay. Uh, because I, it seems to me, Dave, that there's something out there that teams are concerned about that foot. I, I you know, that's yeah. the impression I get because yep. you, Dave, let me tell you something, brother. And you hit it right on the head. When I saw this kid as a freshman, a true freshman, yeah, true a true freshman. Yep, he was dominating out there as a cover man. I was like, and Dave, I agree with you, brother. I I remember saying to myself a couple of years ago, watching him in LSU. If this kid came out now at 19 years old, he'd be a top five, top seven pick. That's so how that's good that's he was. One of the Dave, his freshman year a couple of years ago was one of the best cornerback freshman years that I have ever seen, and I'm 55 years old that I have ever seen, Dave. And now that's kind of oh. and not even just the coverage and the movement. It's it, it was his ball skills. I mean, oh. he had better ball skills than the receivers coming out. And I mean, I, I you just get excited about it. that's the true kind of player that shuts down a side of the field. And that that term gets overused every year during the draft. I mean, this guy is a true shutdown caliber kid. Yeah. If the foot's okay. But again, like I said, that margin for error is so small with that position. That's tough. I think it's the toughest position outside of quarterback to play because your margin for error is inches and, and tenths of a second. So, and Dave, you know, a lot of people don't talk about, they talk about corners, they talk about, you know, ball win and still, how about route anticipation? Okay. Yeah. I saw that. I mean, to me, one of the best route anticipating corners I've ever seen was Darrell Rivas of the Jets. Okay. Yep. Darrell looked like he knew every route the receiver was going to run on him. Yep. Right? That's how smart and his film study and all that. I saw that kid in 2019. I was like, look at this kid's route awareness. I could not believe it as a true freshman. 
Yeah. So obviously, Dave's uh, to me something's hovering around with this foot because you just don't hear his name as much. Because Dave, to me, if this kid was 100, percent if he's if he's 100 percent healthy and all that, he's better than Sauce Gardner because you know that kid was phenomenal as a freshman. I agree. So it's going to be agree. curious to see how that plays out. I completely agree. And you know, if you're the Giants, I mean, no fault to them that you don't want. You need to hit on these picks if you're going to be picking at yeah. five and seven. You yeah. need to hit. Uh, that that's why we're at where we're at right now. These, these top picks that they've had so many opportunities to get a top guy with this, like in the top half of the first round, they've gotten a couple singles and doubles, but most of them have been flyouts or ground outs, you know, and we're caught lo- or caught looking. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> caught looking. <laughs> Didn't take the bat off their shoulder. Um, so that's, that's where I could see them going for Garner at it. Like, and these guys, again, they're great. It's so close to each other that if you feel safer with one of them when it comes to an injury at a position where you can't get injured, right, you, you probably need to go with the safer pick, you know, because by no means is Ahmad Gardner a bad player. I mean, that kid's a stud too. And you, you can make the case that he might be a ah, he might be a better fit for this scheme. I'm still going singly. But that, that you can make a case that Gardner's a better fit for this new scheme where you're really leaving these gals, guys out alone on an island. Speaking of singles and doubles and misses and everything the Giants have done the last few years, I got to ask. I should have asked before because we're on the defense now, so we can jump back to it. But I got to ask this question. Where did you have Daniel Jones and where do you have him now, Dave? Good question. I will. Um, I had him towards – I said he was a borderline first-round pick, so he'd actually be a perfect fit for this draft class, to be honest with you. He kind of would fit in with all these guys. But I, but I remember saying I would never pick him in the top ten. Um that it just that's when when you pick a quarterback in the top ten. This is just not my opinion. It's not a template answer. Um, I, I would always say that you got to be sure. You have you would have to maybe you know bet your mortgage on the fact that the guy is going to be a player. Yeah. And and I think the Giants kind of rushed into that one. I do think that David Cutcliffe relationship that they put they coached Eli Manning and Peyton Manning probably swayed them a little bit. Um, just trying to, I'm just going through my computer right now to find a couple notes I had on him. Um, yeah, that was the year with Locke, Haskins, Jones. None of these guys were really viewed as, as really, but I would say this, this is my closing paragraph on him. Um, I wanted to like, and this is in regards to the giants. I wanted to like Jones more than I, than this. I really did. I have a thing for tough quarterbacks and I do think he brought his teammates to the next level. That's a trend that can make, that can really make a kid break out in the NFL. While I do have a late first round grade on him, and I do think he's going to be in play at 17. That was the year they had that 17th yep. sex Lawrence. Yep. Uh, because of the position he plays, that's why I had him in the running at that pick. I think NYG may need to steer clear. Jones has enough arm strength, touch, and athletic ability, but there is not a quick mind here. He does not see everything a top-tier quarterback sees, whether it's the coverage or the pass rush. After a long time scouting, he's a pass for me. So that's where I, I left it on Daniel Jones. And I kind of feel the same way right now. <laughs> I was going to ask you, like, he, has he done anything to change your mind? No, right? Yeah. yeah. He's tough. He yeah. throws a nice ball. I love his throwing motion. He's, he's a good athlete. Um, I question whether or not he can elevate the level of players around him. Um, but, I mean, you're in the position now. It's almost like it's irrelevant what we think about him. He's going to get another year, and he deserves it. I mean, there has not been a worse situation for a quarterback to play in. And if he comes out and has like this Ryan Tannehill type ascent from this point, 
least the team around him got better and the team protected him. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, and, and I think he deserves another shot. I just don't think, you know, I know this is what ownership is saying and Joe Shane likes him and Dable likes him, whatever. The team still stinks. You know, it just does. And you just can't rely on a running back that constantly gets hurt or has plays afraid, to be frank. Um, a, a slot receiver and Sterling Shepard that can't stay on the field and doesn't create that much anymore. And, I mean, I don't even know what to call Kenny Galladay right now. And, and, and you're playing behind a line that couldn't stop a nosebleed, really. And it, it, it's a tough situation. This is why I feel – you know, there is a lot of luck involved in the in the league in terms of where you get uh, tra- uh, drafted to. Like, what if Mahomes? If you really, do, you really think Patrick Mahomes would be Patrick Mahomes if he got drafted by the Jaguars or the Jets right. or honestly even the Giants? You know, um, or, though, or what would Justin Herbert be if he was drafted by the Giants? Exactly. You know, and and again, I mean, we're talking about the elite of the elite, so maybe those guys would still be good players. But if Daniel Jones was drafted by Andy Reid, who is in my opinion, the best offensive mind maybe the league has ever seen, but definitely one of the top five and definitely the best we're seeing right now. We're talking about a guy that we wish was on our team, yeah, you know? Yeah. And so, but yeah, to, to answer that question, I just feel the same way I did back then. I just okay. don't have a good feeling about him. Got it. Yeah. He's also going to, you know, Daniel also lucked out because there's no three. This isn't a, like a three stud quarterback class coming out where he would be in trouble. You know yeah. What I, mean? I mean, let's face it, Dave. Absolutely. If there was three studs coming out. Yeah, the Giants are probably going one of them at five. Yep. You know? If this was if this was last year, if last year's quarterback class was in this draft, I think we would all be anticipating the Giants are taking one of them. So, Dave, one position has a huge hole. <laughs> they tried to, you know, they dressed a little bit with the Ricky Seals Jones, but Ricky Seals Jones is a three, a two, you know, two maybe, maybe two, right, Dave? Yep. So, you know, I have him definitely addressing the tight end position in this draft. I have him as high as even the third round. Yep. In this draft, because they need a tight end, they obviously have to address this position. Yep. So, Dave, I have Trey McBride as a third round pick. How do you feel about him, and who do you think is uh, third round quality? Oh man, I mean, if they get him in the third round, that's a home run. Um, I actually have Trey McBride as my first tight end in the group, and <laughs> I, I think there's a way he could sneak into the end of the first, only because a lot of teams. If you go, you know, I have depth charts of every team on my computer. I even put some on my wall uh, at the draft time. Uh, a lot of teams want a tight end right now. A lot of their, and I just think some of these guys are going to get overdrafted. And that's not a negative. I have a late first grade on the pride. So if you're getting him round three, you're happy. The thing about this tight end class, I went back and looked at the past five classes. This is the best one we've seen in a while. There isn't a stud, though. You don't have a, a Gronk. You don't have a Waller. You don't have a Kelsey in, in this class. But you have six, maybe seven guys that can be starters or, you know, how some teams use two different tight ends for different roles. It can be the the guy at the respective role at the tight end. I normally only have about three. You know, I normally have about three really good, solid starting tight end prospects in a class. And then I have a bunch of guys that will fill the depth chart. They'll be a blocker. They'll be a receiving option, but they can't do one or the other. I, I see six guys and – I, I think the Giants need to go hard after one of these guys. A, a good tight end is a young quarterback's best friend. Yep. It, it's it's an adage that has been around for a while, and it's not going anywhere. The problem, if you wait till next year, and let's say the Giants are in the quarterback market next year, you want to have a quarterback that's been in the league for at least a year prior to this because tight end is a really, really tough spot to come in and, and play well right away. 
It's just, I mean, there aren't any positions that have the demand of running routes, catching footballs, and blocking. You know, it, it's a really tough spot. It, it's a tough transition for a lot of these kids. So I would love for them to bring in Trey McBride, Jeremy Rucker, Greg Dolchik, Cade Otten, Charlie Kolar, Jelani Woods. Any of those guys uh, on day two would be a good value. That's kind of where if I had – I'm not a huge mock draft guy, but if I had to create something, that, that second round, the top of the second round – would be a great spot to bring one of those guys in. Like my ideal draft for the Giants is offensive line, edge rusher, tight end, first three picks. Nice. So, so Dave, just a follow up, Jerry. So yeah. Dave, you have McBride, you know, early second or second round, maybe even late, maybe even late one. Yep. So who do you, who do you who give me a couple of guys who you feel most likely will be there at three for the Giants when when they when they draft. So the third round, you're probably looking at the combination of Kate Otten um from Washington just right. an NFL body classic white tight wide tight end didn't get a ton of looks at that offense they were a disaster last year on offense but he's got some juice behind him he's the kind of guy that when he gets the ball he's going to be breaking two three tackles you know that kind of old school giant fans will love that right. um Charlie Kolar he he had a much more impressive 2021 that I was anticipating I had him as like a fifth sixth round project, projection early in the year um He's still – he just does everything kind of well, and that adds up to a pretty good player. And at the tight end, it's not sexy always, but sometimes those are the guys you really miss. Um, the Giants have had plenty of those over the years. You know, a guy like Kevin Boss kind of reminds me of of Kolar. You know, he's big, he's physical, he can black, he can block, he can catch. Jelani Woods, this, this is a wild card, and he's been raising eyebrows ever ever since the uh, the Combine. Um, he, he put up Mercedes Lewis. Uh, you guys remember the, the tight end, Mercedes Lewis, right? Yeah, Mercedes Lewis, yeah. Carbon copy, like mm. to a T, mm. like his times, his measurements. And that's the name you see when you watch him play. You're like, you know, that's who I see. And Mercedes Lewis, he developed himself as a, a really quality blocker over the course of his career. That's what kept him in the league for so long. And Jelani Woods does have some, some time, uh, a ways to go in that department. But his size, his reach, his lockout, and the ability to create mismatches in traffic in the red zone, that's the kind of guy that makes a, a tight end a quarterback's best friend. You know, when you get near the red zone, I mean, we've seen, you know, red zone struggles are a thing in the NFL. Some teams just do it better than others, and it's not just the players. Um, it's scheme. It's having that one guy that can just outpower everyone. That's who I see this kid being, and I'm pretty sure he's going to be there round three. So that's definitely a name to, to keep an eye on. Jelani Woods from Virginia. It's funny. How about, you this, Jeremy, how about this Jeremy Rocket kid, Dave? Love him. Uh, New York kid. Uh, Second round? It'd, it'd be rich, but I wouldn't criticize it, right? I have him as a top – I think he's in my top 50. And so if you're taking him – Top sixty. I think he's at towards. I have towards the bottom of the second round. But again, I don't want to go. That that's not the best way to look at. It. I'm just looking at my actual big board. Right. Um. If if, if you pick the sixtieth overall player in the high thirties, it's not a bad value grab. Um. If you start going to the seventies, eighties, that's when I think it gets a little bad. Um. He is. I feel safe with him. Um. Similar to how I felt really safe with Dalton Schultz when he came out of Stanford and the Cowboys picked him, and I said that dude's going to be a player, but it's going to be a couple years. And his his floor, if he doesn't elevate himself as a receiver, you're going to rely on him as a run blocker and a guy that can catch those seven, eight-yard dump-offs underneath. That's who I see Ruckert as. And uh, he, he, I actually think he, I have him graded as the best blocking tight end in this class, other than the guys that are basically linemen that 
you know, wear eight, n- n- number 85 jersey, right? There are some guys in this class that they're just there to block. This dude's a receiver as well, and I think he's the best one that's going to be able to come in and, and make an impact there right away. Dave, we hate mocks too, but unfortunately we have, oh, to, put, we, we have to put them out. <laughs> so yeah, I'm oh, laughing no. because, first yeah. off, I mentioned Kevin Balls, and I said that was the last time the Giants had a consistent tight end for a longer period of time. I mean, Jake yeah. Ballard was really good for them, but it was one year. And then yeah. you had some some hit or misses here, here, and there, but nobody had yeah. consistent – that was there consistently. But I wanted to ask you – I actually think – I'm not going to bet the deed to my house on it or anything, but I, I would not be surprised if the Giants took two tight ends in this draft. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. And I just want to know, what are your thoughts on, like, Weidermeyer and and uh, and Ferguson? Like, are they are they worth taking third and fifth rounds or, or, or you know, in draft positions like that? Or what do you, what do you got on them? So – because those, I mean, those are names that are coming up as well. That's why I'm asking. Yeah, no, no, and um, I agree with you that the, the Giants could go two tight ends. I think it's I think it's a very real that that position group. I'm looking at their depth chart right now. That's the worst by a <laughs> that's mile. Probably the worst looking position on the team right Horrible. now. Yep. Um, and none of them are locked in long term. So yeah, Chris and I were talking about it the other night. Like it's it seals and and Myrick really. I think you wrote yeah. in your column, Chris. Myrick really should be a fourth. Yeah, I, I think if even, so. if, even, if if he even makes the fifty three. Exactly. Yeah. I think what well, I think they're going to draft someone, someone earlier than than something. So Watermeyer, I'm off on him big time. Okay. Um, I, I think there's a possibility he doesn't go drafted. Um, and wow. the the reason is okay, and I'm going to tell you why. He was a guy that I looked at his tape prior to this season, right? And I said, wow, this this might be a dude. You know, scoring touchdowns left and right. Um, they had they had a pattern for him in the Texas A&M offense that was just unstoppable yeah. when they were at zone. And, and he did. When he makes these highlight real catches, he gets up there and gets it. But all the plays in between, he's a terrible blocker. He's got no interest. Um, doesn't run good routes. And I, he started running kind of – he moved differently this year. He, he moved kind of slow. And he just had the Texas A&M Pro Day. He just ran a 503. <laughs> and that's – that's I think there were 15, 13 or 15 offensive linemen that ran faster than that at the Combine. Like when you see someone run a five oh three, you're asking, Oh, is he a tackle or a guard? You know, to, to be a tight end in the NFL and be that slow. Now, hey, I'm not one of those guys that takes a forty and immediately just puts him down. But I had him day three before that and I am gonna probably the bottom might fall out. He doesn't look motivated on the field at all. That's one of my big red flags on him. So that's that's the kids just not work hard. Is that the issue here? That's enough for me to cross someone off the list. Um, he had eight drops last year too. And that, I mean, his drop percentage is way above what you'd be comfortable with. Um, so an athletic tight end who can't block and drops a lot, I'll pass that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Dave. Sorry. Actually, no, it sounds perfect for the Giants. It sounds familiar. <laughs> hey, Dave, I'm looking at my notes on him, right? Yeah. I have motivation with a question mark. Yep. And then I have doesn't seem interested in blocking. Yeah. Hey, look yeah. at that, Chris. Yeah, that's. I, I, I just looked him up. I just flipped the pages, and it's funny because I said, "Wait a minute! I think I wrote that." The motivate when you said he doesn't look like it, and I just see, and then I also put not interested in blocking. Is that right, Dave? He doesn't look yeah. like he doesn't, he cares, gives a shit about blocking. <laughs> maybe maybe we watched the same film. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, so that that guy, yeah, I, he's a no for me. Just in, unless you're locking sixth, seventh round, you try to catch lightning right. in a bottle kind of thing, right? Ferguson, I think is interesting. He's the guy. So I said that I think there's six start, starting tight ends in this class. He was the guy right under. He's the seventh, mm-hmm. and. He's a guy that he'll be in the league a long time. Um, definitely a football guy. He's got he had huge ties to the Wisconsin football program growing up. Um, just a blue collar kind of know what you're getting. Just there isn't a lot of twitch there, and I didn't see a lot of didn't see a lot of quality blocking either. The effort was there, 
And he got he got after guys at the second level. That was something that was really positive about him. But I did not see someone that was moving guys off the ball, and I didn't see a scary threat. So if you're going to say, hey, we're going to draft Jake Ferguson and put him as our number two or three guy, and that's where we're going to see his ceiling, I'm cool with that. I just wouldn't want him to be someone that you're thinking is going to be the guy. But real quick, before you jumped on, Chris and I were just talking about 40 times. And we were saying, really, you know, the combine, the combine, unless the guy drops into the fives, I'm not, you know, the, and you just said, well, he ran a 503. I'm like, man, were you on the call with us before? So anyway, go well, ahead, Chris. Brings, it, well, it, the only reason I do have, there are metrics that some teams use yeah. that they will not pick someone if they do X, Y, and Z, or if they measure a certain way. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure the line for most teams is a 4-9. If you're a tight end and you run worse than a 4-9, I think there's only been a handful of those guys wow. drafted in, I want to say the past decade, Wow, you know, unless they were bona fide, I'm a blocker, you know, and that's not what you're looking at with Watermeyer. Got it. You know, there, there's other metrics, right? The running back position, which is another spot. I know we got to wrap it up soon, but that running back position, I think the Giants are going to be adding to that day three. Um, and I think they're going to be the next team to try to find their lightning in a bottle round uh, day three in a running back position. And there's a couple guys I love that I would love for the Giants to get in round four, round five, but they measure in at under 200 pounds. The amount of running backs drafted in the first three rounds that measure under 200 pounds at the combine, I'm pretty sure in the past decade, there's only been two. And they were both returners. They had like uh, one of them was Lamichael James that from back in the day from Oregon that <laughs> the San Fran drafted. That he was drafted to re, to be a returner, not to be a running back. And um, you know, I love James Cook from Georgia, and I love um, oh, Kyron oh. Williams from Notre Dame. Thank just you. to be like a nice complement to what the Giants have in the backfield. Um, but they both they, they measure under two hundred pounds, and I'm curious to see. I have third round grades on both of them. I'm curious to see. If that is something that's legitimate, it's hard, it's impossible to watch their tape and say, hey, these guys are not suds. Kind did not have a good workout. I don't know what's happening today at Notre Dame's Pro Day. I'd love to see him run a little quicker than he did at the Combine, but it's not enough for me to bump him down that much. But if you're 4'6", I think he was a 4'6'2", and measuring under 200 pounds, that's, that's a tough thing to swallow because a lot of teams have those lines where they just won't go past yeah, well, he's definitely running a forty against Nicholas. Obviously, that was a bad. That was yeah. not a good number. He ran. I did see Hamilton run. ran a four five six. Um, yeah, he basically ran around that, right around the. Whatever, same. whatever. I mean, it's but, not going to change. That's fast yeah, enough. Yeah. And this thing, uh, that's not going to change. That's not going to change Kyle, but it could change Kyron. You know, yes. what I mean? it could change him. No question yep. about. All right, Dave, we got you. We'll start wrapping up. Thank you again for your time, brother. It's about oh, yeah, an man. hour, so that went we'll, fast. We'll let you go, but just one last position. Another one here, the Giants have nobody under zero, bro. Defensive line, mm. you know, they just signed Justin Ellis. He's a veteran. He's a 10-snap-a-game guy yep. and all that stuff. But you look at this defensive line, they, they, you know, Wink always had Brandon Williams. He always had that big body, you know, in, yep. in the middle. Yep. What do you see here for kids coming out? And Dave Gettleman, thank God, is not here anymore. So I, I think it's pretty safe to say we're not going to go defensive line with 507. Yeah. Talking about defensive tackle, not obviously that edge. Yeah. Talk about the yeah. um, Jordan yeah. Davis to me is an absolute stud. He's a first round pick. Who do you see maybe yep. after that, Dave, in second round that the Giants could be looking at? His teammate Devontae Wyatt is my number two. It's funny, I had two George guys. One, um, and he's another one of those guys. Like he's on the bubble of round one, round two. Um, I, I, but I don't know if why it's going to, he's not the guy I agree with you. The Giants are going to want uh, someone beefy inside and that's not his role. He's more of a penetrator. Um, he actually ran a faster 40 than Jordan Davis. Um, 
the the D tackle that I think would be a really ideal fit if they're gonna go early, meaning round two is Travis Jones from Connecticut. Um, the, that dude was put on earth to play nose tackle in this kind of defensive scheme. Um, just a constant push off the ball. Um, he dominated the senior bowl. I don't think enough was talked about him. He was, I thought the most dominant player at the senior bowl. Nobody could, could hold him. His anchor is great. Shows some pass rush potential. There's some bad tape on him with pad level. Again, stuff that can be corrected. Um, there's another guy, Atito Ogbanya. He is from UCLA. He's a day three guy, but sometimes a lot of these, these three, four nose tackles that fit into a scheme like this and end up playing for 10 years, that's where you get them It's day three because a lot of teams look past defensive tackles that don't impact the passing game. Right. And, you know, so Atito Ogbani is a guy that I just I, – I like these kind of – he reminds me a lot of DJ Reader, who I loved coming out of Clemson years ago, and he's ended up being a really successful career. A lot of teams wanted him in free agency. Yep. Um, he's kind of that same – kind of built like a fire hydrant can really anchor himself into the ground and he'll make some plays between the tackles. So Dave, those, Dave, yeah. he's in that, he's that built Christian Covington type build too. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just like just thick everywhere. And, but right. not, not at the expense of athletic ability. He can still move pretty well. Right. Um, this is one spot. I like the D tackles, but if you don't get one of those two, it's that's why they might get a little overdrafted. I, I don't love the rest of like the three, four nose tackle type. So as much as I would love, I mean, the giants have so many holes, you can probably make a case for any position really. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it's a position that I have a feeling they're, they're not going to be able to fill, not because they don't want to. I just don't know if the guys are going to be available at the right value spot. Right. Uh, I think there's going to be a, a list of teams lining up for Travis Jones and the earlier he goes, the earlier you're going to see Ogbanya go. And you don't want to get caught in a spot like what uh, Jerry said earlier, where you don't want to get to a panic pick. You know, the Giants just can't afford that right now. If you don't get your 3-4 nose tackle this year, so be it. Yeah. You know, don't don't reach for someone just because. Dave, but I have one more question. But before I do, tell everybody where they can find your work, bud. Yeah, so I, I work for Our Lads, Our Lads Scouting Services. It's the oldest uh, draft guide in the business. Um, if you go to ourlads.com, you can see that. Uh, you can order the um, the guide on there. Um, I would say my reports probably consist of uh, probably about 70, 75% of the reports that they use in there now. Um, and I'm on Twitter. I, I know I need to use it more. We've talked about this in the past. Um, our Lads underscore Psy. Um, I am going to be pretty active draft weekend um every year i try to go pick by pick analysis for every team just a little short little tidbit on no you side. do that you do a good job with that too man excellent yeah, yeah. run out team a little bit i also have a two-year-old now so life is a little bit tougher oh, with that nice. stuff um on the actual game day uh but i will do my best to analyze every single pick and over at you know just give eric a plug at uh, bbi um i do a full-blown um, kind of draft prep for them every year yep. um, for free. I just, I appreciate Eric. He's helped me out with a few different things um, where starting in April, the first week of April, I'll be doing a position by position review where I actually post my summary. I, I make long scouting reports for every player, but in there I actually post the summary for, from my, uh, from my actual published report. And then I do another paragraph under each player, how they kind of relate to the giants, maybe a little more like, backroom talk where I kind of just get a little bit lack uh, a less official with how I talk about the guys, like what to expect. And then after that, I do a full blown giants analysis um, 
on the draft uh, about a week later. And your 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 post draft analysis will also be in the Insider in about a yeah. month and a half. So, yes, um, yes, so before I get to my question, um, just to let you know, with no animosity, Dave, you took yeah. a grenade, you took a grenade and blew up my complete mock draft today. It's fine. I, it is what it is. <laughs> You're the expert, I'm fine with well, it. Guys. You know what? My, I've never been a good. I've never. Maybe part of the reason why I don't like mock drafts is I'm terrible at that. Well, I, I mean, can say I'll great. say this wasn't what I would do. This it's is what I think will happen. Right. So one more question, Dave. Um, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a, I'm a big Notre Dame fan, and I've been following Kyle Hamilton for a really long time. I'm, I'm oh. saying this, and Chris is just staring at me. I'm just joking with that. Um, wh- where do you put him? Because he's going to be a guy that he, he's so enticing, and you're hearing Ed Reed comparisons. And look, man, I'm not the fan, obviously, of Notre Dame that, that Chris is, but you watch this kid, and if you take your tackle at five, I mean, I'm not going to be too upset with a Kyle Hamilton at seven, dude. No, you can't. You can't be upset with the pick, and I, I think less of that needs to occur. With, okay. with you know, like if, if someone gets upset, unless it's like a major reach. I mean, Kyle yeah. Hamilton is one of the top ten players in this class, guys. Okay. Like, there's no question. If you if you get him at five or seven, five or seven, I mean that. Be happy about it. Wow. And I, I think what he can do for a defense is you can do so many things with him. You know, he's not a box safety. You know, sometimes those guys get overdrafted. You know, you know. Uh, and he's not just a, a center, a soft center fielder that can, you know, cover the top. He can do – I actually think he could be a solid corner, really. Like, just watching him, how he moves, I think he can man some receivers up. And this defense that they're coming in, this guy, Wink, is as one, as one of the more creative defensive minds in the game. Yeah. And when you have a weapon like Hamilton, he's the kind of defensive coordinator that gets the most out of him. Like Isaiah Simmons, what we talked about last time we talked a couple years ago – you got to make sure that you create a role for him because you don't want to pigeonhole him into a spot. You know, you want to be, you got, you might even have to change your scheme up a little bit so that you can use him to his max potential. But it's a sensitive thing because if you throw too much at a young player too soon, it can really impede the development. I think that's kind of what's happened in, in Arizona. Um, he hasn't been bad, Isaiah Simmons, and I think Kyle Hamilton is. A, a better play, a better football player. Your, memory, your, your memory's re- pretty ridiculous, Dave. You were on here two years ago and you said Isaiah Simmons is not a guy you can build around. He's a supplement. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, and nice. I, I think Hamilton, I think honestly, when I saw Logan Ryan get cut, I'm telling you what, that was where my head went. Okay. That they kind of made their mind up that they might be going there with one of those picks. And I think it would be, a, I think it would be a smart selection. It just sounds like, I mean, I just read yesterday from Ralph Acciano, like, I don't know if the Giants have the money to, to pay these picks. Yeah. You know, they're going to have to. Well, they will, just, Dave. They, yeah, they'll, they'll, Dave, they'll I, sure. I, Dave, I can tell you this. Bradbury's yeah. not going to be on this roster. Say it again? James Bradbury's not going to be on this roster. Yeah, no, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. There's a lot of smoke because, there. Because, you know, they need that. They need that $12 million. I agree. I agree. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's um, – I, I think the last thing I'll say, guys, is every, every option is on the table, and – there really isn't a bat, a wrong direction you can go in unless I just I wouldn't reach for one of the quarterbacks. I don't see them doing that. And but beyond that, I think they're going to get two really quality players. Or if they could, I would love to see them trade and get two first for next year, because I think next year is going to be either they go after the quarterback. And the more ammo you have in your pocket for that, the better. Dave, listen, my man. I know you have a two-year-old, like you just said, and all that. Obviously, you know that takes up a lot of your time. But do me a favor. Get more active on Twitter. Okay. Because to me, Jerry, see, I think you agree with me on this. To me, Dave's got to get out there more. No, it's just ridiculous. I want Dave recognized more. Um, and Twitter, as you know, Dave, social media is a great way of doing that. 
Yep. By the way, uh, that's my depth charts. I use you guys, Outlands too. And holy crap, have you been up to date with the free agent signings on these rosters? Yeah, that's quick. Yeah, Steve, really. I'm talking quick. Like I looked the other day, like Laurel Collins is already on Cincinnati. Yep. Only, I'm like, how the hell? I was like, Fuck. anyway, you guys do a great job with those depth charts. I rely on those depth charts, man. I, I print them out all the time. I look at them. I have them on my computer. I'm constant. You guys are really quick with the free agent signings, man. Great. Thanks, um, man. So, Dave. Hey, everybody, make sure you follow him. Dave, just give your Twitter account, uh, Twitter handle one more time, bud. Yep, rlads underscore size. So rlads is spelled O-U-R-L-A-D-S underscore sy, S-Y. Uh, uh, folks, listen, I, I don't give much praise. Jerry knows this. I don't give much praise to a lot of people out there. Um, matter of fact, I'll argue with Bob Papa sometimes. I'll be like, Bob, come on, that guy's a windbag. And Bob, oh, he's not that bad. <laughs> but, folks, <laughs> but, folks, this guy, Dave Syverson, is – uh, excellent, excellent evaluated. Dave, thank you, my man, for for giving us an hour. I, I hope the two-year-old's sleeping or something. Yeah. You know? And I'll see you at camp, Dave. Um, make sure we hook up. And you'll hear me complaining on the sideline during camp. Uh, Daniel Jones, you'll hear me going, Daniel, what the hell were you looking at there and all that stuff? And we'll have a good time, though, Bob, and I see you. And thanks again. All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Good stuff, Dave. Thanks, man. I don't know about you, Chris, but I probably could have talked to him for about three more hours. Um, yeah. Fountain of information. What I love about Dave, he's written written for the, the Insider for a few years now. Yeah. Um, he has his own opinions. And he doesn't just go with the consensus. He's a professional at what he does. And, uh, I mean, I think it came through in the hour we just spent with him. Absolutely. And uh, for the people just getting to know him, uh, uh, look, I the guy's 100%. I mean, the guy's legit, talent evaluator. Not everybody's perfect in his business. Nobody, you know, I know some people think they are evaluating college kids, um, but he does a heck of a job. Uh, folks, you got to start, you know, reading about his, his tweets and he writes for the insider, this, right, Jerry, this time yeah. of year. And he really knows what he's talking about. And I think everybody's going to enjoy, you know, what he had to say about these kids coming out and what the Giants might be looking at and all that. So, uh, like you said, Jerry, you know, this is the time of year. I like to put some stuff out about college kids. And, of course, everybody, no, oh, he's not there. He's not there. Oh, what are you looking at, Chris? He's a, he's a first rounder, not a second. You know, but you know what? I look at my own stuff. I'm going to throw it out there. You know, unlike some other people just look at other people's stuff and they throw it out, you know, whatever. <laughs> no, you know, I like to do it. You know, you take the hits. You take the praises. And this Dave's the same way. He, he looks at his, and he's going to give his evaluation. He's his own man, and I, that's what I like about him, you know, and I happen to think he's – Excellent at what he does, bro. Yeah. Yep. Hey, when I started going off about Kyle Hamilton, were you just like, what the hell's wrong? When I said, you know, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a huge Golden Domer fan. Oh, no, I, I kind of <laughs> sense you were. <laughs> I kind of sense you were just. It looked I, like I, you, were I looking, you looked like you were looking at me like, what? No, I was looking at you like, where's he going with this? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice. Actually, I thought you were going to say, actually, my father was. That's why I, I, yeah. I was like, where's he going with this? Yeah, nice. Good job, buddy. Anything else? No, that's it, man. So we'll talk to you in the next week. Yep. Uh, you know, we'll talk more draft, any late free agent signings. Uh, Giant Insider comes out next week, right, Jerry? Or, yep, we print Sunday. Yeah, of all the uh, newcomers, the signing, throw some stuff down on them, and uh, Jerry's two articles about what's going on, and I hope everybody enjoys it. So we'll talk next week. Uh, a lot of draft. Maybe we'll have Rick on, you know, from um, uh, from the Draft Bible. We'll have some more, try to line up some more people talk. It's, it's going to be draft talk now, brother. A lot of different opinions. Here. It's awesome. 
Yep. So. All right, guys, to order a subscription to The Giant Insider, go to www.thegiantinsider.com and go to Magster for a digital subscription. That's M-A-G-Z-T-E-R. All right, guys, remember, Sundays are giant days, baby. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye, everybody. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.